0: Welcome to Themis podcasts Themis is a leading technology platform that helps clients manage their financial crime risk exposure through a combination of innovation insight and intelligence our podcasts aim to bring you insight views emerging trends and thought leadership from industry leaders and our own financial crime experts find out more about Themis at crime.financial in this episode, Themis Think Tank Manager, Olivia De Keen, speaks to Wildlife Investigations Specialist, Mickey Wu, and Themis Head of Investigations, Henry Williams, about the latest threats and trends in the illegal wildlife trade. Mickey Jun Wu is the Investigations Specialist at the Wildlife Justice Commission with extensive experience in the investigation and intelligence collection of transnational organized wildlife crimes. Henry Williams is the Head of Investigations at Themis and played a leading role in developing our illegal wildlife trade toolkit. In addition, he has 14 years experience as an investigator and journalist, during which time he led teams working on several of the largest corporate investigations to be prosecuted over the last decade. He has also acted as a consultant to the financial investigations industry, which included work identifying leading investment banks' exposure to the illegal wildlife trade in China. Listen to this podcast to hear about the very latest developments in the field of the illegal wildlife trade, both on the side of the perpetrators and law enforcement, and some fascinating case studies from those working on the front line
1: my pleasure to be here today talking to Mickey Wu and Henry Williams, two real experts in the area, about some of the latest trends and emerging techniques used in the illegal wildlife trade. It's a really fascinating but also a devastating topic. We know that the illegal wildlife trade is the fourth most lucrative financial crime globally after drugs, arms and human trafficking and it's worth about 18 billion pounds a year. We also know that it's inherently linked to other forms of financial crime, including money laundering, trade-based money laundering, drugs and arms trafficking, terrorist financing, bribery and corruption, fraud, and other environmental crimes like illegal logging and deforestation. So it's a really important topic as a crime that has extremely far-reaching consequences. Here at Themis, and Henry Williams, our guest in particular, we've done a lot of research on the illegal wildlife trade, including as part of our illegal wildlife trade toolkit, which we developed with the UK Government, World Wildlife Fund and Traffic, which is available to institutions free of charge. And any listeners, you can get in touch with us if you'd like to book a demo in. But we'd like to talk today about some of the very latest developments in this field of research and any emerging trends we're starting to see in the trade of illegal wildlife. And this is so important because traffickers continuously change their techniques and trade routes and financial mechanisms of choice. So we really do need to keep educating ourselves on the latest developments if we want to be one step ahead of the traffickers in order to stop this illegal and destructive trade. So to start off, Mickey, can you tell us about any particular trends that we are seeing in relation to the legal wildlife trade at the moment?
2: So I think it's very important to um, understand the illegal wildlife trade from um, two different perspectives. I think first of all to understand the species um, and also um, sometimes they call it um, transportation is just as important as the commodities um, of the legal wildlife trade. So uh, when we're looking at the species of the illegal wildlife trade, some of those most iconic species say um, elephant ivory and, and rhino horns um, are still very much um, um, sought after in the Asian market. Uh, what we are seeing is that the ivory, um, is going a little bit down um, because of many different reasons. Uh, One of the most important reasons is the um, ivory ban in China in 2017, 2018. Um, um, The ivory traders, um, um, we've noticed in our investigations that the ivory traders expressed less interest in trading ivory um, due to increased law enforcement activities and also um, um, strengthened legislations. Um, And also the buyers um, um, expressed their less demand for for ivory, um, elephant ivory in this front. Um, The rhino horns are a little bit quite stable, so to say, um, being traded from Africa to Asia. Um, You you might know already, Olivia, that um, pangolin scales are um, extremely um, popular um, in the illegal wildlife trade market, um, sadly. Um, being traded from Africa to Asia, particularly for its uh, medicinal purposes, um, what what people normally do um, um, as customers is that they will grind uh, the pangolin scales into powder and mix it with um, different kinds of liquors, teas, or alcohol um, for consumption. Um, The other species that we're seeing really uh, um, on the the uphill is the reptiles, uh, particularly The um, turtles and tortoises and also other um, sort of live um, pets being traded. Um, uh, So that is a very interesting sort of um, um, species and and, perspective is because um, many of the the products that we see, commodities we see, um, um, are from dead animals where the animals have already been killed, uh, whether it's elephant or rhino or pangolins to uh, obtain their um, uh, teeth, to obtain their horns or to obtain their scales. While the reptiles, the key factor is that you must keep it alive. You must keep it as lively as possible. So there are a lot of different techniques. Even there are the pets, uh, feeders and the caretakers um, to look after the reptiles, the turtles and tortoises, how much sun they can see during the transit. Um, how much food and water they can consume during the transit, so they don't uh, get into hibernation too early, and they can be waken up once they arrive at the end market um, for showing to the buyers for a better price. Um, so, so, so that's a little bit in the species round um, the transportation method. Traditionally, um, air by air and by sea are the most um, um, usual way of transporting. Um, um, say ivory or rhino horn, pangolin scales from from Africa, Asia, or from um, other places to uh, uh, to the to the end market in the world. Um, and the traders would normally use air to transport, say, commodities such as rhino horn, which uh, which is with higher monetary value, um, and it seeks a lot bigger investment initially. So the traders and the investors would expect a faster turnaround. Um, they want the products to arrive at the end market to be sold faster um, uh, compared to commodities such as elephant ivory with lower um, commodity uh, monetary value. Uh, But what we are seeing, um, what's slightly changing, is that we're also seeing uh, uh, rhino horns, um, such um, an expensive commodity to be traded on the market, to also be shipped to by sea. Uh, But the proportion, the size and, and, and the and, and the um, uh, the volume of the commodity have increased drastically. Um, we see more than 100 kilos of rhino horns being um, shipped in just one container um, um, compared to um, say average 20, 30 kilos a few years ago. So that's very important to notice because the traders um, are, 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 are being more limited to transport these products. So they have to trade more commodities each time to make up the loss of the money that they can make from from this um, trade.
1: That's really fascinating. Thank you, Mickey. And the, the scale that you're talking about there is, is staggering. Henry, is there anything else, any other trends that you've seen that Mickey hasn't already covered?
3: Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think Mickey's, um, you know, got a real first-hand view of what's going on in terms of illegal wildlife trading. So it's, it's really fascinating to hear his insights there. Um, what I would say is that, you know, following this space, uh, particularly from the development of the wildlife toolkit we built, um, is that um, the red flags we spotted in in the sort of final quarter of 2020 are coming into fruition again in 2021. And I think, you know, a lot of things we get asked about is by publishing the red flags, are you not just tipping off criminals to ways to avoid um, uh, being caught? But actually, I think what you're finding is that actually the red flags we spotted are just very um, symbolic of the typical behaviours. And as Mickey's talked about, you know, rhino horn being transported by passengers on the aircraft. Um, we saw recently, I think, it was a month ago, there was a, a, a bust in uh, Johannesburg airport. Exactly that going on with a passenger transiting through um, through Dubai on their way to Vietnam. And then again, I think some of the ports um, we've highlighted in 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 our toolkit. Again, you're seeing places like uh, we saw Tian port in Da Nang in Vietnam, uh, there was a huge um, delivery of pangolin scales, which was um, captured at that particular port. Um, So I think it's really interesting. You're having that mix of, um, you know, of of shipping, shipping some of the wildlife products and bringing some on by air freight. And I think the, um, you know, the tactics we're seeing by the traffickers from the end of last year is pretty similar to this year. Um, I think it's just the worry is that the scale's increasing again, um, and I'd say just maybe on the online side as well. There's there's a couple of sort of notable trends, and it's one of those ones you wonder if it's been going on for a while. It's just that enforcement's catching up with it. I think certainly the thing we keep on seeing is tiger cubs being put up for sale in Thailand, um, you know, just on Facebook. And again, I think that's really indicative of a lot of the wildlife crime people are dealing with there. Is the, um, the penalties are so low. Um, that often the criminals involved don't take huge amounts of steps to to hide what they're doing because uh, they're just not used to being caught that often. Um, and so obviously that's a great opportunity for enforcement to really you know, achieve something there.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Um, just to stick with you, Henry, for a second, we're starting to see some increases in prosecutions, actually, relating to the legal wildlife trade in particular regions. So we saw in the first three weeks of February this year, 79 Namibians appeared in court on wildlife crime related charges. Do you think this increase in prosecutions, do you see it as encouraging or discouraging?
3: No, I think I think it's definitely I think it's definitely encouraging. And, you know, I think you are seeing that in a lot of regions of by it. I think, you know, in Nigeria, I think, you know, their environment ministries, you know, made looking at wildlife trafficking um, a priority and also looking at issues such as bushmeat. Um, again, I think in places like Singapore, they're they're reviewing their wildlife protection laws there to make um, the terms much stronger. Um, but I think you're still going to have the situation um, where there's a lot of repeat offenders in wildlife crime because they don't they don't get put in prison for very long, when the fines aren't, aren't particularly big, uh, and they can just keep on coming back. Um, so no, it's great that you know jurisdictions. I think particularly in the jurisdictions most affected by it. Um, you know are beginning to wake up to it but I, I think there's still very much a long way to go
1: yeah absolutely and now Mickey, i know you've recently worked on some fascinating things at the wildlife justice commission i know you probably can't get into too much of the detail but would you be able to share some good news or any personal insights with us from that work
2: um for sure as much as i would love to um, share the interesting and exciting um, operational side there is um, um, quite a bit of confidentiality and um, limited information I can share. But it's very funny that Henry, you mentioned earlier about the advertising live cup on social media. Um one of the one of the um, um sort of the outcomes that I would like to share with you guys is um in um, May 2022, um actually there is a live tiger cup that was rescued in Thailand. Um, and I believe it was named um um, new Year um, for uh, in Thai language, symbolizing a new beginning of the life of the tiger Cup. So that's so. So it was really heartwarming to to see such a cute um, um, life to be rescued from from the um, illegal wildlife trade and and being taken care um, by so many um, lovely people around them. Um, So, but in addition to that, um, um, one of the most significant um, sort of achievements um, that we have accomplished in the recent years was in um, July 2021, um, where 7.1 tons of pangolins um, scales were seized in Nigeria um, together with 850 kilo um, ivory. Um, It was very um, significant case um, because in early 2020, Um, Our undercover investigators um, initially um, achieved the entry point through Asia, actually, um, and then it was followed by introductions to the traders in Nigeria. Um, Of course, um, the Nigerian Customs Service um, played a um, significant role in the joint operation um, to the arrest of um, three people um, um, on the 1st of July 2021. What's worth mentioning is that 7.1 tons of pangolin scales is the ninth largest pangolin scales seizure um, ever in history. So it really possesses, it presents a very significant um, sort of achievement um, in Nigeria as well, which is uh, very increasingly being used as the hotspot of the um, trading uh, of the legal wildlife. So uh, after the seizure in July 2021, um, um, uh, with the phone analysis and, 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 and all the other intelligence that we have received um, has determined that these arrested three people were not of the highest level in the criminal organization. So um, our investigators um, continued with non, a non-evidentiary test of purchase of um, a few ivory tusks under the authority of Nigerian um, Customs Service. Um, and one more ton of pangolin scales um, were um, subsequently ceased um, in September 2021 and four more people were arrested. So that was very encouraging news um, in countries such as Nigeria, um, which are taking actions and taking effective actions in um, arresting um, these illegal wildlife traders um, and really setting up an example to these illegal wildlife traders that Nigeria is no longer um as a uh, safe ha- haven for them to trade and for them to um, um transport the wildlife products out of Africa to Asia
1: that's really great to hear and I'm very much looking forward to reading more about that research and operations and when you can publicize more of it
0: I'm just going to pause the podcast here to let you know about Themis Search an end-to-end SaaS screening and investigations platform that will help you to easily search, screen, and monitor your clients, suppliers, and third parties to check if they have any links to financial crime. It also allows you to perform a deep dive investigation and produce an editable enhanced due diligence report. It's updated every six hours with the latest data including sanctions, adverse media, law enforcement, and PEP status. We draw data from a wealth of sources, but also have our own proprietary Themis conviction data around different financial crime typologies, making Themis search highly unique. Book a demo at crime.financial.
1: Uh, Henry, uh, we often think about and talk about the illegal wildlife trade as something quite exotic that happens on the other side of the globe. We're often mentioning Africa and Asia, but it's also closer to home than a lot of people might think, isn't it? Um, and a bit of a growing problem in the West too, not just in diaspora communities either. Can you tell us a bit about some of the things that you've you've seen or, or that you're aware of a bit closer to home?
3: Yeah, well certainly. I mean I think you know if you are talking about the West, um, I think one of the really interesting things is um, you know there's um, Uganda there's a Ugandan wildlife um, trafficking network for instance, uh, which have also been involved in um, smuggling heroin in, into the United States. Um, and I think that's one of the things we always want to highlight is that um, illegal wildlife trading isn't isn't just about animals. There's often there's organized criminal gangs involved. And for them, wildlife is just one of the many commodities they'll deal with. Um, and you know they've they've been attracted to it by the sort of le- lack of enforcement on it and the um the huge profits to be made. Uh, but you know they are, they are criminal networks, and they will, they will move around whatever commodity is is going to give the most values to them. Um, and I think you know certainly, I think in the UK, um, there's there's particular issues which the government's looking uh, looking into. I think one of the things they are looking to ban at the moment is is trophy hunting and the import of trophies um, from uh, from the African continent. And I think that's that's one of the um, issues actually at the moment is that um, trophy hunting' is often used as a cover for for illegal hunting um and I think this is something we actually see quite often in in legal wildlife trading which I'm sure Mickey seen, sees in his day-to-day work is that you have a lot of the criminals involved will set up slightly similar businesses which give them that sort of perfect cover to be in, be involved in in dealing with animals and then obviously dealing with illegal wildlife trade um and I think it is something you know in, in the UK um the national crime agency is worried about um, it's not just African animals, because obviously we're talking about eco- ecosystems as well. Um, and European glass eels are a, um, are a particular um, um, issue around um, illegal wildlife trading here. Um, so we certainly have, um, I think there's one, one individual was caught with about $20 million worth of um, glass eels at Heathrow Airport. Um, and, you know, they might not be the most attractive creatures, but they are part of the, the ecosystem. They are endangered. Um uh, but I think also just shows, you know, the huge profitability of, of this particular trade.
1: Something I know that we've spoken about, uh, which I find really interesting, it might be worth you just, you're just telling our listeners about the Mexican cartel's involvement um, with Mexican fish and, and drugs trafficking. If you can just elaborate a little bit on that as a nice little case study as well.
3: Oh, OK, yeah, so I mean, that, that's very interesting as well, um, is that, you know, talking about this sort of convergence with serious organized crime. And you see uh, Mexican drugs cartels, I think they've, they've lent on the Mexican fishing industry for quite a while anyway. Um, and I think certainly, you know, illegal fishing is a form of legal wildlife trading, which is, is hugely profitable to the traffickers. And, you know, if you think of the amount of money Mexican drugs cartels are making, if they're branching into legal wildlife trading as well, I think it gives you uh, an indication of the profitability there. Uh, but in this instance, uh, the Tortoba fish is a swim bladder, uh, which is a delicacy. Um, I think certainly in China it's considered such. And um, what they've been doing is they've been sourcing fentanyl from Chinese um, crime gangs um, to obviously make various drugs which they can ship across to, um, to the US. And they've been taking payment for it in Tortoba swim bladders. Um, so you have this very sort of primitive barter system. Uh, but again, I think it's symbiotic, symbiotic of the um, uh, the fact that illegal wildlife trading goes hand in hand with organised crime, uh, and it's, obviously it's a it's a global issue, as you're seeing from that trade between Mexico to China.
1: Yeah, that's really fascinating. Thanks, Henry. So it would be nice to end on a positive note and hear about some of the some more good news stories and, and developments on the other side. I know, Mickey, earlier you mentioned the tiger cub being rescued in Thailand, which is lovely to hear. But are there any particularly encouraging efforts you've seen on the detection and prevention side as well that give you cause for hope on a slightly larger scale?
2: Sure, Olivia. Um, what um, what we are seeing recently that is really positive is that we're seeing a collective sort of increased the law enforcement um, activities and actions being taken across the board, um, across the world. Um, Now, I mentioned uh, Nigeria earlier, um, we're also seeing um, really strengthened um, law enforcement activities in China, particularly, one of the largest, um, if not the largest um, uh, illegal wildlife trade um, destination market in the world. Um, So there is a, um, I'd like to share a um, sort of like a case study Um, of the largest rhino horn um, seizure in China of 250 kilos of um, rhino horns um, containing 145 pieces that were seized in China in 2019. Um, But the news wasn't actually made public until much later in 2021 on the World Biodiversity Day after the Chinese customs have arrested everyone from the criminal network. It's a, it's a fascinating case and, and I really encourage everyone to, to, to look into that if you haven't because um, uh, the, the significance of the case is not only just at the quantity of the um, um, rhino horns but also the sophisticated modus operandi. Um, and the sophisticated um, sort of enhanced law enforcement detection techniques um, that we've that, that we've seen in handling such um, complicated illegal wildlife trade. Um, I've personally never seen um, 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 that a small ship which is only 70 meter long um, that were deployed directly um, to ship the rhino horns from Africa to Asia. Usually we're seeing the horns would be transported by air or via a um, 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 big container ship um hidden in the uh, or disguised in timber container but it was um, but the criminal network of this case actually deployed a small ship fishing ship almost um, um to leave mozambique um, to china and once they left the shore um Mozambican sea they turned off the AIS navigation system and became sort of to call it the ghost ship um, um there was no radar or anything that can be that, that that can detect it, their um, its movements. Um, um, so it's really, it, and, and what we're also seeing is that there are 70 horns um, that were actually still containing the chips um, of the um, bio data um, information of the rhino horns of the rhino um, from South Africa. Um, so these are all very unique sort of features that we see in the motor Apprentice of the of the of the criminals in this case, um, what's also interesting to introduce is that um, um, the Chinese um, law enforcement um, um, used the big data analysis and um, satellite images to to figure out the um, the shipping route basically of the of the small fishing ship on the way from Mozambique to China and managed to locate um, the exact time and the location of the ship um, um, and and managed to arrest all the people both on the ship and from the land. So it's all very very encouraging and positive and it really is a fascinating case. Um, Sort of even also sets an example of how other law enforcement really should um, 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 do to tackle such a transnational uh, um, uh, criminal networks, um, particularly in the illegal wildlife trade.
1: That's a really encouraging case study to end on. Thanks, Mickey. How about you, Henry? Any any positive detection prevention efforts that you that you're aware of?
3: I think it's just great that I think, you know, um, when when we built the toolkit. Um, we we spoke to um and interviewed um it came up to 700 um financial services professionals in in the affected region so in sub-saharan africa and in southeast asia uh and in china itself and i think uniformly what we're hearing from people was that it was an issue they were concerned by and they wanted to do more to help. Uh, and I think that's certainly something we're seeing, you know, certainly with the outreach now with, with the toolkit and when we're continually liaising with, um, you know, financial institutions as well as the sort of wider wider public. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of appetite to help tackle this trade. Um, and I, I think that can only be a good thing because I think we are starting from quite a small base. Um, and if that goes in hand in hand with a sort of more committed law enforcement effort, which you know Mickey was just discussing there, um, I think I think there are there, there are there are really real grounds for optimism. Um, and certainly, you know, I think you know China does does remain a primary market for a lot of these wildlife products. And there there are various attempts, you know, by um, Chinese law to um, to curb some of the worst practices of trade. I I think there's you know there's still certainly a number of issues such as the um, continued acceptance of um um, so-called farmed wildlife so a farmed tiger for instance which you know as i was explaining earlier is just the perfect cover for the illegal trade um so you know i think there are still issues there but certainly things are moving in the right direction and it's just a case now of just identifying where the good practice is and trying to get that um, happening more widely around the world because it is obviously a global crime
1: Thank you. And possibly I'm going to be asking you to repeat yourself here. Um, but just to wrap up, what do you think is the single most important thing that's needed to help global efforts to tackle the trade? I know, I know it's a it's a multi-pronged dance, but if you could just get it down to one briefly. Um, Henry, let's start with you actually, just um just so you can tell me if you've if you're just gonna repeat yourself, you can give me a short, snappy answer.
3: No, no, don't worry. Um I think, I think it's, it's it's awareness. I think awareness is the absolute number one thing um, that uh, people can do, I think, is to understand, you know, what, what do illegal wildlife traders doing? And certainly, I think, from a financial institution point of view, is is how to spot it. Because as, as I've sort of shown some examples, you know, some, sometimes this isn't particularly well hidden. And almost it's so, so un, unhidden that you sort of think, well, it must be legitimate what they're doing. Like they're sort of sending the Tiger Cubs on Facebook when actually it's illegal and i think yeah, you know, the more awareness is around that um, then then the more you can you can still
2: put the pressure on the traffickers
1: thank you and how about you mickey
2: Um i actually had to and henry managed to say public awareness which i think is absolutely um, essential in tackling mm. the legal wallet trade it really is so very important um, in um, in, in, in demand reduction in, in all different aspects of counter um, wildlife trade. Um, the other thing that I want to mention is potentially to tackle the issue um, the same as other transnational organized crimes. What we're seeing is really that, um, as Henry mentioned previously, that the criminals who have been caught conducting, committing the crimes uh, were sentenced to relatively light penalty and they will come out and commit the crime again because for them it's just a way of making a living for making money. And um, uh, there, there really is so much more to be done in, um, in the investigations into the transnational criminal organized crime, such as illegal wildlife crime itself um, the, such as financial investigations such as um, um, undercover investigations, sophisticated surveillances um, um, as well as um, big data analysis. There are so much to be done. Um, But we're not seeing that as much in the illegal wildlife trade, Um, which is also why um, that the toolkit Athemus has produced recently just comes right on time. Um, It really provides such a great um, sort of insight, not only on the latest trends of the legal wildlife trade, but also the Um, um, Act. really provides such a um, um, essential and and great and important um, sort of shout outs to different um, sectors particularly the financial sectors around the world to look out for these most typical um, um, typologies in the illegal wildlife trade.
1: Great thank you both so much Mickey Wu and Henry Williams for talking to me today about the illegal wildlife trade and latest trends it's been a really fascinating discussion it's been really lovely to hear about some of the good news stories as well so thank you both very much.
2: Thank you for having me here today Olivia it was lovely to speak with you thank you
3: thanks olivia that that was that was great and um you know really really appreciate you sort of shining light on this subject
0: thank you thank you for listening to the latest themis podcast if you'd like to find out more about themis please visit our website at www.crime.financial.com